0: Welcome to Guns, Knives, and Lipstick, the podcast where four female crime fiction authors explore the delights, disasters, and demands of the publishing journey and chat with those who share that journey with us. We're your hosts, Carrie Peresta, C.L. Tolbert, Mally Becker, and Liz Miller. Join us as we chat with some of our favorite authors and go behind the scenes of their writing lives. So let's get to it, shall we?
1: Hello, everybody,
0: welcome to a brand new year and in yet another episode of Guns, Knives, and Lipstick. I hope you're all doing great. We
1: are. Yes, you we are. I'm
0: this, doing great this 26th day of the new year. And we are so excited to have our dear friend and successful author, Annette Dashafi, back with us. And a little bit about Annette, USA Today bestseller Annette Dashafi is the author of over a dozen novels, including the five-time Agatha Award-nominated Zoe Chambers mystery series about a paramedic-turned-coroner in rural Pennsylvania. Her standalone novel, Death by Equine, is the 2021 winner of the Dr. Tony Ryan Book Award for Excellence in Thoroughbred Racing Literature. Where the Guilty Hide from One More Chapter, HarperCollins UK, is the first in her new Detective Honeywell series set on the shores of Lake Erie. So, welcome, Annette. Hello. Thanks for having me. Thanks for having you're me back. back. I've been here before. <laughs> you have been here before. And of course, we're, we're delighted to have you back because you're a great person and we all like you. True. <laughs> It's great. It's like old, it's all like old, old pals. What do they call it? Old, old friends. Old home it's, week. Yeah. Old home week. That's the yeah. phrase I was looking for. Yeah. Old home week. So where the Guilty High just released, it's January, when we're recording, it's January, what, 26th, and it just released last Friday. So big congratulations there. Thank you. Um, And I didn't set this in the the questions or the the program, but I want to congratulate you again on uh, the award for death by equine that was huge that was last fall. yeah i'm Um, still i'm still amazed by it. (laughs) Through I I think that's so fabulous. Right what an accomplishment! Um, You got to go dress up and get a pretty a pretty crystal trophy and a big fat check. (laughs) Yeah, that was, that's a really good part. (laughs) It's always good when things, when accolades
2: are great, but when they come with big fat checks, they're even better. Yeah, Yeah, it actually, and it paid for the trip to go to Kentucky and, you know, had a good bit more left over. So yeah, it was great. (laughs) Nice. Great. So
0: we're here today to discuss where the guilty hide, which as I mentioned is a first book in a new series. So congratulations on that um congratulations on jumping into a brand new series um so to get started um why don't you give us your elevator pitch for where the for this book
2: and you all know that's like the hardest part right
0: i want you to distill your ninety thousand word novel down into three sentences yeah
2: there. yeah okay <laughs> uh, well the uh it is the first of the detective honeywell uh, mystery series and Matthias Honeywell is a police detective with Erie uh, City Police in Northern Pennsylvania, and he's currently dealing with a pair of uh, home invasions, and the second one also turns into a missing persons case because one of the victims gets free and pursues uh, the the people who broke into their house and then vanishes. Uh, Emma Anderson is a freelance photographer who has moved to Erie uh, for two reasons. One, to hide from her stalker and two, to try to find her missing sister. And she happens to find a photograph, a dead body on Presque Isle Beach. And lo and behold, that dead body is the missing person from Matthias's case. They both have uh, a bit of an issue with uh, survivor's guilt and a lack of trust, and they have, end up having to learn to trust each other and work together to solve the case before someone else dies. You know, it's a murder mystery, so there's always that little cliffhanger. Yes, at the end. yes.
1: sounds awesome.
2: <laughs> thanks, thanks. It's been fun.
3: Um, so why this
0: particular book? Like, what about this book? Clamored for it to be written.
2: Uh, well, I, I thought that I was at the end of the Zoe Chambers series after the 10th one. So I, I wanted to, I needed to start something new, you know, re- reinvent myself a little bit. And I kind of knew I wanted to set something in Erie. And I the idea of um, survivor's guilt came to me, uh, Liz, when you and I were touring the uh, Flight 93 Museum. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I thought, you know, listening to the stories of, of that day. Made me think a lot about how the survivors of that day, the people who did not get on the plane or the the family of those who, you know, weren't on the plane how they must have felt. So I knew I wanted to use that aspect as the hole in the heart. And I didn't realize until I started getting into it that it was actually going to be the hole in the heart for both characters in, in wildly mm. different ways. Mm. Um, but it just I, I I I liked the idea of Emma being a photographer because I used to be a photographer. So that was something that I wouldn't have to research a whole lot. Uh and of course, you know, you have to have the police detective <laughs> in the story. Uh and it it just everything just kind of fell into place. Yeah. You know, I started with a couple little seeds of ideas, as you all know. You know, you start with a what if or you're just a kernel of an idea, and thankfully it grew from there. And I found people to help me with the research. Uh, I was introduced to a police detective in the Erie Police Department who took time off from his day off to give me a tour. Of, nice. the poli- of the police department and to answer. I had a whole notebook full of questions at the time and was, you know, not standoffish about it at all. He was quite happy to talk to me and, you know, discuss ideas. And he remains, you know, the the person that I email when I have questions specific to Erie police because every jurisdiction is different. Mm, and sure. And since can this I, is a real one, I have to, I have to get it right, or at least closer to right than if I'm making, when I'm doing the Pete and Zoe, Pete and Zoe series, you know, that's a fictional area, so I can make stuff up and it that's how it's done in Monongahela County. <laughs> no one could argue with me. Can
4: <laughs> I, I stick a question in here? Sure. Real quick. Um, where do you start, Annette? Where Do you start with um, crafting character sketches? Do you start with a theme? a plot, uh, the plot, a theme. Where Where is yeah. your starting point?
2: It's different every time, I think. Ah. Uh, this, this series, I it started with the location ah. because Erie, Pennsylvania is very cool in that there are very high-end parts of town where there's lots of tourists nice restaurants mansions on the beach and you drive a couple miles down the road and you're in very uh poor areas of town where there's you know crime ridden riddled areas and all within the city so pretty much whatever for a series i figured whatever story i wanted to tell i would be able to find a place within the city that would be appropriate Mm. Uh, and sometimes, you know, all over the place in the same book. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it's it started with the location. And then I kind of get into the characters a little bit and figuring out their backstory. Um, like I said, their hole in the hearts, uh, what drives them, their motivation. And it's at some point, a crime (laughs) drops into the equation. And yeah, I guess that's, that's the order of things generally. Interesting. Thanks.
3: So that, that is interesting that the crime comes
2: last. I, I was, well, you know, if it's a series, you got to have your, your, your location and your characters, because they're going to carry out throughout the series and the crime changes from book to book to book. So I think that's why I think of the crime is coming later.
0: Yeah. And well, I, and people stick with a series. I mean, I hear this over and over again. People stick with a series because of the, the settings and the characters. Right. They don't necessarily stick with a series
1: because, ooh, that Annette Dashafi writes really great plots. <laughs> I have to say, I loved your, um, I think it was your second chapter where Emma is on the, the lake. Yeah. And- it's a gray day, and I, I just think you captured the atmosphere so perfectly, and, you know, overcast or winter beaches are, like, one of my favorite places to be in the oh. whole world, so I thought you just did <laughs> it so brilliantly. Thanks.
2: I, I, may, was, I may have walked that beach time or 12. <laughs> sounds
1: like it. <laughs> <laughs> Research! I grew up on the other side of Lake Erie, and Sleet, Ohio, they're, they're connected to the lake as well, and we'd go to places along the lake when i was a child it was it's, it was a beautiful place um but i was interested in your your writing process um people always ask if you're a plotter or a planner and um that kind of thing so I, i'd like to know about that and i always start with a plot first and i'm very fact-driven plot-driven and then i go back in and fill in the emotional stuff how do you handle all of that
2: uh, that's another thing that I think changes from book to book for me. Um, I started out in, in my writing journey being a plotter and that kind of gradually over a, a series of books, I became more of a, not, not truly a pantser, uh, but Liz knows I use this term and I didn't make it up. I stole it from somebody, but I don't remember who, a flashlighter. In oh, that, I I, 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 yeah, yeah. I, I plot as far ahead as I could see in the beam of the flashlight. Right. Um, I always know at the at the beginning of the book, I, I don't start writing until I know who done it and why. I know the killer and I know their motivation, and I know a few of the plot points along the way. Uh, so I, I know which direction I'm writing in. Um, at one point, I went to be a complete pantser and wrote a whole book. <laughs> from the seat of my pants and swore I will never do that again because I had so much rewriting to do
4: yeah a lot of backtracking
2: yeah that first draft was basically a very detailed very detailed outline that went all over the place and was just a terrible terrible mess and I had to go back and do a lot of fixing on that a lot more than I normally do so, so, how long I'm, do
4: you normally spend on doing the outline portion?
2: Well, um, I usually about well, I don't know. It, it, again, it varies. Probably about a month. Okay, and it's that's what it's I think. Not a real detailed outline, even even when I do uh, outline it. Uh, it. It's it's more of like a few notes about. A, a scene you know. okay we need a scene here and then the next scene you know it you'll know, go through it and I'll, I'll kind of outline scene by scene by scene until i run out of ideas of where i'm going and then like i said i i know a few of the plot points so i might write the first 50 pages i'll have those outlined uh, and i get to, to the to 50 page mark roughly and you know then i'll start you know outlining the next yeah. However many pages.
4: That's so, that's what I aspire to, right there. I think that's <laughs> <laughs> that's the best recipe.
2: <laughs> but like I said, it, like I said, it changes. This mm-hmm. this past year, I had uh, three very tight deadlines, uh, and it was sheer madness. Especially this book that's due in one week. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Got written very quickly, and I had. Uh, I had a pretty good outline for that because I knew I was going to need to write quickly because what happens, to me at least, uh, with just the the loose outline thing is I get to page 50 you know I've run out of outline I need to figure out what happens next and I'll take days you know maybe a week or so to mull over, you know what has to happen next. And I lose, I lose writing time. So I knew I didn't have that option for this particular book. So I, I tried very hard to, you know, keep ahead of it with the outline. Right.
3: You're, you're reassuring me, Annette. I, I just thought I was a mess doing, writing that way.
0: (laughs) No, I do the same thing Now I can say I do it like you.
2: (laughs) There you go.
1: Exactly. I did the exact
2: same thing, Mali, except I don't know who done it. That's yeah. the only difference. You think you do, and then you change your mind. Well, that's it. Yeah, I think. you change your mind along yeah. the way.
4: I really tried to outline hard on the last one, and it was a train wreck, because all I could do was see better ways to go instead of yeah. what I had down. So halfway through, I discarded everything well, I'd done.
2: That's and just... just it. You can't, everybody has a different process. Everybody's mm-hmm. mind, brain works in a different way. So when you go to a workshop or something on plotting and the, the teacher is telling you that you have to plot, it's like, no, because <laughs> I don't even you know, have to plot this book because when I plotted the last one. You know, the process changes and it's whatever works for you on that particular day, on that particular book, under those particular circumstances of your life, because you know our lives change from, mm-hmm. from day to day.
4: Absolutely, and I love going to writing conferences and listening to other authors process. Like Jeffrey Deaver at Sleuthfest. Yeah. he was so fascinating, wasn't he?
2: Yes, I mean, yes. Was there? Yeah. I,
4: I mean, I don't really. I'm not a huge fan of his books because they're so grisly. But oh my <laughs> gosh, just listening to him and his process was inspiring.
2: Uh, his, I think, his IQ is so far off the charts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And he is something I got to have dinner with him and a group of us, but i I sat directly across from him, and it was just like I just sat there and kept quiet and listened. Yeah.
0: <laughs> took in the wisdom took yeah. in the wisdom
2: absorbed yeah. it in.
0: <laughs> Sorry, so, Mary, we've
4: gotten totally afield.
0: <laughs> oh, that's okay. We always get totally afield. That's cool. <laughs> um, so, the, your Zoe Chambers series, I think, to say it was pop, it's popular, is uh, an understatement. Seeing <laughs> as you have a Facebook, a very, very vocal Facebook fan group um, that's always clamoring for the next one. Squirrel. And we one have of-
2: squirrels in the Facebook group, and I yes. don't know where the squirrels you, came from. If you, you remember, a you know about the squirrels, but I, yeah, you know, they nothing. There are no squirrels in the book, so you know, I don't <laughs> know. <laughs> um,
0: and you have gotten five <laughs> Agatha nominations. So you talked a little about why you made the switch, but was it a little bit scary? Oh, it was terrifying.
2: <laughs> really? Last last year, a year ago, I think uh, I, I look back because so I have a, a personal blog that I don't really promote a lot because it's kind of just my own, you know, mad musings. But I always at the end of the year look back and then at the first a year look ahead and when I look back to January a year ago that it, it, was pretty terrible <laughs> 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 but um, well yeah when I wrote Till Death which was the 10th book in the series I really thought that was the end of it and I wrote that book with that in mind I wanted to leave Zoe and Pete in a good place where my readers would be, you know, oh, happy to see that they were happy. And I, I mean, I always, I've reached the point where I don't ever say never, because I, I for years I said I would never publish death by equine and now it's the one. that no, it's the one that's the one so I'm not ever going to say never again. Um, and I was even whenever I wrote that and said this is probably the end of the series. I wasn't, you know, I wasn't. Con- I left myself an out <laughs> that I could continue it, but I, I honestly thought that that was going to be the end of it. And that was when I was starting to look around for what did I want to do next, and I started working on this one, the the uh, Detective Honeywell series, and. Then I uh, signed with my agent, who got me uh, a continuation of the Zoe series with Level Best Books, and I was thrilled. But it was like, oh, now I have to figure out where to go next with them. <laughs> with them. And then we also got the offer on on where the guilty hide, and it's like suddenly I went from thinking that I had no book contracts because you know the zoe series was done everything else was just floating around so i went from having nothing you know solid to having uh two books (laughs) or two series that i had to get basically three books written in one year which i've never done before Uh That sounds like a nightmare. Oh, it was. So I said it was (laughs) there.
1: My gosh. I mean, how did you get anything else done? I
2: I didn't get anything else done. This past year was like, you know, the only time we got away was because I had the award nomination and my husband and I went to Kentucky. That was our vacation. Oh, yeah. (laughs) yeah. And it was granted, it was great, but it was like I needed that to get me away from the computer and from writing.
4: Yeah, to clear <laughs> so, your head so i have another question too so when when your agent sent it out did you send a full manuscript or just a long synopsis
2: no it was uh three chapters and a, a short synopsis a okay. uh, two, two page synopsis and i don't know that i recommend that we did it because i had 10 books published so hmm. We figured, you know, oh, and other people do it. Other people, you know, get contracts on on proposals, um, but the the fact is, the industry is is so tight right now that you know it's like what what have you done for me lately, <laughs> that sort of thing. And we got a lot of rejections that were very nice rejections that kind of came with, but we want to see the entire manuscript.
4: Oh, okay, gotcha. Um,
2: Uh, for for this one and in fact before i signed with my agent i when i was querying agents i was getting the same thing from agents uh and i had kind of decided well i'm going to stop querying everything and just finish the book uh and and then i you know got a Mm -hmm. response and got signed so yeah we shopped around three chapters and the synopsis and of course a, a few paragraphs about uh, my proposal for the next couple of books and that's that's
1: atypical for fiction isn't it that, yeah I, I see that happening in nonfiction, but not fiction
2: uh i i know i have friends who have done it and this and you know signed successful book deals on a proposal but yeah it it it, it does put a lot of obstacles in the path of of yeah. editors wanting to you know, consider you, mm-hmm. and I had, I was at the point where it was like, okay, I'm going to finish the book, and we'll, you know, try again, but then this, this editor from uh, one more chapter, HarperCollins uh, UK imprint, just went crazy, and she wanted more, and I had, by that time, written, I think it was up to, like, 50 pages, so we sent her what I had, and she, she's just, you know, absolutely thrilled with it. And, you know, wanted to sign me. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so we that's went with that. That's mm-hmm. yeah. exciting. Yeah. Yeah. I just
4: started a new series too, because I, I'm, I'm just tired of um, what I'm doing. I just, I, I don't know. I've got books four and five still to write for level best. So, so I just, I wanted to do something that's based here in Hilton Head, a low country series. Um and so I'm and my agent, which is your agent, has has just said, send me three chapters in a synopsis. So yeah. I've been working on that because I don't have to start on level best stuff. I don't think it's due till the first part of 2024, the the first draft. So I tried to give myself
1: keep, some time.
2: Keep writing it because you know you can shop around the proposals, but you know, when you find somebody, an editor who is interested in the, you know, they like the first pages that you, the proposal pages, they're going to want more. So the more more. you can have done to then, you know, okay, here's some more, uh, the better, I think. Okay, good advice. (laughs) So how many
1: hours a day do you spend writing yet, Annette?
2: (laughs) Pardon me? (laughs) How many hours a day? Hours. um. Well, as you all know, there's more to the writing business than just the actual writing. Uh, I I've, And I'm frantic right now, you know, getting this book done. So usually I, I start, I do my writing in the morning before lunch, and it's, it's kind of at about three hours of writing. Uh, and by that time, it's like pfft, the brain is ready to mm-hmm. explode. Mm-hmm. So. Take a break for lunch and then the afternoon is for promotional stuff or you know, whatever other businessy stuff needs to be done.
4: Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, that's me too. I'm a morning person writer.
3: Annette, your your story about writing three books in in one year reminds <laughs> me of this famous um Wiley e. Coyote and Roadrunner cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Wiley Coyote is staring out to the readers and he's holding Roadrunner. He's finally caught him. And and the caption bubble just says, now what?
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No kidding. Great visual. Like, well, oh I no. Saying,
2: if you're talking <laughs> cartoons, I've kind of felt more like the Tasmanian devil. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> oh
4: no. I wrote my last book um book 3 the torching which is coming out supposedly next spring they I, I don't know when they're going to um you know really come out cuz sometimes they're behind on stuff but i had so many corrections on it i wrote it really fast and it comes back from hazel with a sea of corrections which took that's me another what
2: i'm afraid of um,
4: and and yeah that's the trouble with not giving yourself <laughs> enough time
1: yeah
4: to to ponder and to work through the methodology and their motivation and which I did not do very well. So, so it took another month to do that. And so it just kind of compounded the lateness of the release. So Sean seems to be fine though, not upset. So anyway, we'll see, (laughs) but I won't do that again. I'm going to give myself, and that was just two books. I've got another one coming out too. And I'll, I'll never do that again. I just I don't think I'm able to do it. So kudos to you for taking it I on.
2: <laughs> don't want to do it again either. and i'm I'm really I'm looking forward to February getting this off my plate because at that point, it, the the contract with one more chapter is two books. So this will be the second one. Mm-hmm. And I figure I won't know whether they're going to extend the contract for a little while yet because you know we've just we're just starting to get you know sales from the first one. Uh so I figure I'm okay if they want to just wait a little bit before offering the next contract. Right. Because Take your time. Take your time. I turned in the the next Zoe mystery. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I've done the developmental edits and I'm waiting now for the uh, uh red line edits. Who knows when I'll get those? Uh but I don't have another deadline for that until November. So you know, or maybe an, another time that would seem like not very much time, but now after three books in one year, it's like uh-huh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so three more
2: Zoe's. Uh I have one more on this contract. So beside the one that I that I'm waiting on the edits for, I have one more to write. And okay. that's due November. Uh and uh that'll be the th- lucky 13th in the series
1: wow absolutely
2: (laughs) and and I I know a little bit about what I want to write I haven't outlined it yet I have some I have to do some research I have to make some phone calls and ask some questions before I even get started because I know otherwise I'll get 50 pages in and find out it it doesn't work that way so I'll have to start all over again
4: (laughs) yep yep that's you me. guys should see the weather here. We're in for tornadoes tonight, they said. So I'm looking out on this sky over the marsh that's getting black with clouds.
0: Oh,
4: no. Anyway, if, just
0: to provide if some she disappears. We'll know what happened. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll <know> what
3: happened. <laughs> yeah, if you don't <laughs> hear from me for a while. But to switch okay. from Hi. setting to characters, yeah. <laughs> that is, is our setting for the podcast. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and I, I have no idea where I am in this list, so I'm just going to like pick a question. Um, <laughs> so, talking, speaking of characters, um, we're all writers, so we all know our characters talk to us and sometimes give us a hard time. Um, new characters with Matthias and Emma were they? Uh, did you have to force them to talk to you, or were they pretty chatty from the start? Uh,
2: uh, you know, I, they. I didn't really have to force them, but it did take me a while, you know, to partway through the first draft to, to get a true sense of their voice, voices. Um, uh, I had way back when uh, one of my mentors gave me the advice that, you know, when you have a new book, new characters, you know, just finish the book and then come back and toss out the first three <gasps> chapters and rewrite them because mm. it takes you that long to get a sense of your of their voice and oh, that's and good advice. I've never mm-hmm. done entirely that but mm-hmm. I have gone back and and done serious rewriting you know mm-hmm. after I get a sense of their voice um but I think I, I kind of picked up on their sense of voice when I was working on their backstory you know what the characters histories gave me a better sense of it But. Uh, yeah no they were they were both I wouldn't say chatty, but they they didn't argue with me too, much, too I much. like
1: that scene and yes, first.
2: Yeah. I'm sorry. I like
1: the scene where she where Emma first sees Matthias and he flashes his eyes and gives her this steely yeah. very mean sort of look. So you know something there's an undercurrent to him yeah. right at yeah. the beginning. But I have to ask, where did you find or think of the name Matthias? That's such a great name.
2: Um, it, Matthias though? Honeywell is a great Matthias name. Matthias Honeywell. Um, at one point, uh, a few years ago, I got hooked on uh, Ancestry.com. And I was doing my, I was tracing back my, my family roots. And Matthias Honeywell was my five-time great-grandfather. Oh, who, fought, wow. who fought in the Civil War, not Civil War, Revolutionary War. Wow. back from the Civil War. He was a Revolutionary War hero from, I don't know, hero, that's my part, you know, fiction writer, I threw that in. He (laughs) fought in the war in New York. And I got, you know, Matthias Honeywell, and I went, I have to use that.
4: Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Uh,
3: Annette, do you use other names of people you know in your book?
2: Well, (laughs) Emma Anderson is my maternal grandma. And her I actually got two characters from her name because my my mom's mom was Emma Nalina Anderson. And my grandfather always called her Nellie or Nell because her middle name was Nalina. Hmm. So instead of having Emma be Emma Nalina, I have Emma and Nell as the two sisters.
4: oh, oh that's cool, yeah.
2: That's- and I figure, you know, I, I'm I'm the the family member who would sue me for you know using <laughs> using good <laughs> so name. So you're saying <laughs> <the chapter>. <laughs> So yeah, I can I can use it. I always I always liked her name. I always liked the name Emma. Yeah, uh, I, mean, I couldn't Emma. use my
4: grandparents' name because uh, my grandpa's name, my favorite man my whole life, it was void clearance. Huh. There's no hope for a name there. Uh-huh. <laughs>
0: We could use Clarence, but I don't know about Void. Void. Yeah. Who
4: would name it's V-O-Y-D. Isn't that something? And it's not short for anything. I I don't know what his parents were thinking. But anyway, I think
2: But I think it would be an interesting name. You could have fun coming up with a character to go with that name.
3: Oh. That's okay. The, there's that movie <laughs> that book called Less, and that's the character's name. And it's, you know, Void and Void. You could
1: <laughs> come in line with that. I used the name Emma. I used the name Emma for my character Annette, and I kind of based it on my grandmother's name, which is Emma Lee. And um, then we named a dog Emma. I just always love <laughs> the name Emma.
2: Good yeah, name. yeah. And I mean, I, I don't think I've ever. I always have a uh, somebody somebody's name in mind. When I name a character but I never really used a real person's name like that before uh, Pete Adams Pete is is named after his name came from uh, uh, our local police chief when mm. I was small and uh, he was a good friend of my dad's but his last name wasn't Adams I have friends who are Adams as a last name so I, I merged the two together um, But uh, yeah, I I I took Matthias and Emma and just you know ripped them right out of my family tree and had so much fun with it. I may do that again. That's great.
4: (laughs) My main two protagonists um, on my current books are from baby names I didn't get to use. Oh okay. When I was pregnant, you know how you make lists of names for babies. So Olivia is a name I never got to use, and then in this rewrite that I'm doing. Isabel is her name and she goes by Izzy. so I just love that. They're like my babies babies yes
3: we, we were talking about um, setting before and and you're going from uh, a series that takes place in the country to one that takes place in a small city. Did it were there challenges to
2: that? Did it feel different to you? Oh somewhat yes um of course the the country setting is basically right here where i live you know i step out my front door and i'm doing research <laughs> for setting <laughs> um plus it's fictional you know, the the monongahela county advanced township and everything from the the zoe series are all based on real places but i fictionalize them where erie is you know several hours north of me And I don't live there. I love going there on vacation. So I I do have some familiarity with it, but I have a lot of friends up there. So I can ask them questions about specific things. Uh, What has made it easier is that Emma is a transplant there. She, She is actually from here where I live. And she has gone there to hide from this stalker. Ex boyfriend of hers, as well as to try to find her little sister who has disappeared into the world of drugs and alcohol. And the last place she knew that she was was in Erie. So that's her reason for going there. But she's a transplant, you know, Mm -hmm. so that made that makes it easier. I can, you know, use my thoughts about the place through her eyes because I'm not a native. Uh, Matthias really isn't a native either. He's lived there for 20 years, but he's from Oklahoma originally. So he's, he sees it maybe a little bit differently than someone who has lived all their life there, but he is familiar with it. Uh, so yeah, it, it hasn't been that hard yet. Uh, but as I'm thinking ahead to a potential third book, uh, I, I know of a location up there that I have not been to. So research trip <laughs> yeah. Do you use, um, okay. Real Do you use real places when you
4: use like Erie? Do you use actual storefronts and restaurants that you know? and
2: some, some okay. not all. Uh, the the Emma lives in a 17 foot camper. Uh, at oh. Sarah's campground up there, and Sarah's campground is real. Sarah's restaurant, which is adjacent to it, is real. I got permission from the owners to use the name, uh, but what I did was I gave her a site number that doesn't exist, oh, okay. and I I um. set her little camper neighborhood where there isn't one (laughs) like there's the three the there's a a loop that's the 300s and there's a loop that's the 400s well she's in a loop that's the 500s and there is no such thing Mm -hmm. so i always say don't go pestering the neighbors the real people who camp there uh at sarah's because looking for for her camp because it doesn't exist yeah (laughs) and i mean the police department of course is real but uh there's a yoga studio that I just made up. I kind of have an we idea. you spend a of where lot of time sits. talking
0: about Presque Isle. Presque Isle is real. Presque
2: Isle is definitely real. Uh that's my favorite place to go. Mm-hmm. As Liz knows because I've dragged her around that loop. Do you days.
4: always ask ask permission before you use the real places?
2: Uh if if not always. I, I did with the campground because it's kind of a major setting mm-hmm. and it's real and it's a, it's privately owned the the restaurant is and of course it's a public place but I mean when you go into the campground it's your know, private property you know?
1: Mm-hmm. and
2: I just I thought I would save myself a lot of potential legal issues by reaching out to them and I was really hoping they said okay because I already finished the book yeah and it said you no know, I was going to <laughs> have to yeah, do a lot of thing. search, find, and replace yeah. for that name. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, the, a lot of, my, my, the streets are all, I use all the real streets, but I, uh, like I said, the yoga studio is fictional, the, uh, the magazine uh, office is fictional, mm-hmm. uh, um, the restaurants are pretty much fictional except for Sarah's. So So we err on
4: the side of caution is probably the
2: going to be a body found. It's not going to be found at a real business. Mm -hmm. And don't don't commit don't commit a major crime at a private business.
0: You can commit a major crime at a county courthouse because I've done that.
2: Hmm. (laughs) And I had the body wash up at at, on Isle Beach, but like I said, that's that's state property. So Yeah, that's state park. You know, that's (laughs) a fair game. And and bodies half washed up there. So,
1: <laughs> I just had just like I killed. said, just
2: like I said, I killed somebody
0: in the Fayette County Courthouse, and they were like, "That's okay, that's happened before." Yeah. <laughs> oh okay.
1: I just killed someone in a real house on a real street in New Orleans, and I knew who owned it, so I called them, and it was okay. But if yeah. if it hadn't been okay, I, the only thing I would have changed have been the street name. Yeah yeah
0: well there, there, are, Annette, there
2: are ways around
1: <laughs> yeah
0: well Annette, you and i have been told by the ladies who own mystery lovers bookshop that we're okay to oh tell yeah somebody they're right there encouraging the us to come oh. and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like we want to be a seven and we're like, we're, yeah. we, won't any- we won't kill anybody here they're like nope go ahead <laughs> <laughs> that's hysterical you right have to store.
2: You, well, you, walk in the mystery, you walk into Mystery Lovers and there are two skeletons sitting there in the chairs anyway. So.
4: Yeah. Y'all have such cool bookstores up there. Yeah. No, I'm so jealous. And yeah. we have Barnes & Noble here. And then um, in Beaufort, there's two or three really good bookstores that that I've done some events in. But I haven't broken into Savannah yet, which is only 45 minutes. And they have some very cool bookstores so but i have a can i jump ahead to the pov question mary
0: well i just on that topic hold on a second but that i still think you and i need to sit down and zoe and pete and sally and jim need to make a field trip to pittsburgh (laughs) there you go
2: there there will be a body of course they won't even be able to go on vacation mystery lovers bookshop there yeah yeah exactly (laughs) done Um, go ahead
4: i was just i see mary's got this in here but alternating pov so i noticed that do you stick with two povs in your books and do you make them even like do they come in at approximately the same time throughout the book
2: uh yes and yes okay (laughs) Um, now now in in death by equine which there's the only, only one that that was a single point of view and uh more of a women's sleuth because the, the the cops the police in it were secondary um and i actually wrote that book before i wrote any of the zoe ones so it just got published way out of order um but i with with pete and zoe uh i liked doing the the two point of views and yeah they are pretty evenly uh balanced uh even though it's it's called the zoe that's called the zoe chambers mystery series i always said pete was annoyed because he didn't get you know he was there. <laughs> oh, he didn't get, he, he, didn't get there, he, oh. uh, he didn't get his name on the cover. Oh. he didn't get his name on the cover. Uh so but he does have uh it's it is pretty much half and half. I like seeing, you know, the the world, their their worlds from the different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um and it just it therefore was natural for me when I started this one. And when I started, uh Where the Guilty Hide, for one thing, that wasn't my original title, and it wasn't, in in my mind, the Detective Honeywell mysteries. I had it as the Lake Erie mysteries, and I wasn't going to give one character billing over the other, but my publisher decided to, to change the name and to change the series name. And I said, Matthias was quite pleased with himself because he got top billing. (laughs) Well, they couldn't resist the name. You know, honey well, that's probably,
4: they were like, oh, we have to do that. Gotta use
2: that, gotta use that.
4: Yeah, and Um, you write in third person, right?
2: Yeah. Third person. Yeah, except in some short stories. I have written in first person. I just, I like, I'm more comfortable (laughs) with third person in the long fiction.
4: Yeah, I'm trying to figure out. I like first person. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm vacillate back and forth, so I'm I'm trying to figure that out where I'm more comfortable.
2: And and that's it. it I think it's whatever you're most comfortable with as the writer, um, mm-hmm. how you feel more, more comfortable telling the story. There's no right or wrong. So you've.
0: Um, so we we like to talk to guests about their writing journeys and anybody who's ever. Seen or heard you or heard you speak at a, any conference or anything? You'll tell people you started writing with a crayon. Yeah, as soon as you can hold a, a crayon. So you always were writing, but what? Why mystery? Why crime? Con- was it always mystery and why?
2: No, it wasn't always mystery. Um, I, like I said, I started with a crayon, but when I I started writing long fiction, we'll call it. <laughs> at that point, it was in when I was in high school, I would write. Novel-length fiction, longhand in pencil in those spiral-bound notebooks, the line oh, notebooks. Oh yeah, and I would write and I would pass it to my fans uh, during study hall, and you know that would go around the room and they would read what I had written. It was kind of like serialized because they read they read it whatever I had written since the last time, and they'd pass it back to me and say write more, which is very addictive, still is to hear that Um, (laughs) yes (laughs) but at that point I was writing we didn't call it that then but it was fan fiction where Mm. I would take uh tv shows that I liked and insert a character that was very (laughs) not so loosely based on me (laughs) (laughs) Very. (laughs) and and I was a teenager so I would make myself a little older you know in, in the book but I was writing stuff like uh westerns alias uh, Smith and Jones and Bonanza, or Star Trek, you know, st- uh, science fiction. So not really uh, uh, mystery or crime fiction, uh, until I read uh, Mary Higgins, Clark, Where are the children? And that was really the book that launched me into reading and writing crime fiction. Uh, so my first my first mystery novel again longhand pencil spiral bell notebook back in high school uh and it w- that was original uh w- was two women detectives that was kind of like a female version of starsky and hutch Cagney uh, and Lacey. Mm-hmm. well yeah. you know i thought i was being real original and then this tv show people <laughs> came- <laughs> That was Cadmi and Lacey. And it was they stole my idea.
4: And Rizzoli and Isles. I mean, one's a forensics.
3: Oh, that but came still. That, that came was long, much later. later. Oh, that's I'm true. true. I'm talking, that's true.
2: I'm old. I'm talking like back in the late, in the yeah, you know, like 76, 77, whatever year, whatever year I and Lacey. I remember, I you remember know, that show. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I, I wrote it first, but they're the ones who whoever wrote it, you know, made it on TV. <laughs> <laughs> and they get the credit
1: yeah there you go
0: so <laughs> anyhow, when you what what do you hope you readers finish the book and they close the chapter and what are you hoping they take away from it how do how they feel
2: <sighs> i want just want them to feel i mean e- each book is a little different um i i like having people readers you know tell me that darn you I stayed up until two o'clock in the morning and couldn't get up you know for bed next or get out of bed the next morning because I had to finish your book sorry not sorry um (laughs) or you know that I you know I made him cry I got a phone call from a friend once it made me cry (laughs) that's that's the best (laughs) sorry yeah Yeah, sorry (laughs) Yeah. yeah again sorry not sorry um I just if I can if I can touch a reader's heart and stir some kind of emotion from them uh, be it empathy sympathy uh, you know joy sorrow concern whatever if I can if I can make them uh, feel and think and you know I like to hear too that the characters or the the characters have stayed with me you know mm. the characters in that book stayed with me and that long after and not necessarily the main characters a lot of times it's the secondary characters or the victim or whatever um uh, you know that uh they that they they remembered them long after they finished the book
4: mm-hmm. that's sounds beautiful yeah i yeah. think in a nutshell just that they feel yeah that, that yeah. they feel one time i went to a signing and they were so excited and they sat down and they talked about my characters like they were family
1: and Isn't I was that just cool? blown well, they are
0: family.
4: it is just the most beautiful thing I was really so honored I just and what about when Olivia did blah 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 blah, blah. I just hate that money you know and <laughs> I, I was like I loved seeing that emotion so that touches me too I just wanted to feel and relate relate to these characters
2: Liz, should I tell the story about well, the guy who uh, came up to us at the oh, like library? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Love that. Love that story. Um, this, this was right after Lost Legacy had come out. So my, I only had two books out. And Liz was there and Nancy Martin was there. And we were, we were at the library in Oakmont for uh, Deborah Crombie was going to be there. So we were just fans. Yeah, we were just know? fans. Yeah, we were in the back row and just hanging out, and Deborah Crombie was running late. And the bookstore owned, the Mystery Lover's Bookshop was hosting this event, and the owner at the time came out and, you know, got up at the podium in the front of the room and said that Deborah has arrived, but, you know, she had been late because of traffic, so she was a little frazzled, she was in the back having some tea but she'd be out shortly. And in the meantime, let me introduce you to, or let me point out some of the other local authors in the audience. And she pointed out Nancy Martin, who was not there because she's friends with Deborah and had gotten up and gone to <laughs> <in> the bathroom. <laughs> <visitor>. <laughs> so, so she pointed out me and said, you know, Annette Dash that who writes the Zoe Chambers books. And I, I seem to remember a few people in the audience going, ooh, and that was so, so yeah. sort of cool. Um so then she got off the podium and a lady came over and was talking to me. Liz was on my left. Yeah. <laughs> I saw the corner of my eye this guy coming toward me through the crowd. <laughs> and he he was in camouflage and had a beard, gray beard. Older bald older
0: gentleman. Older
2: gentleman, ball cap. I think he had some fishing lures in the ball cap. He looked like an extra from Duck Dynasty.
0: (laughs) Camouflage vest or something. He had some sort of camouflage thing. And he comes
2: marching right up to me. And Liz is sitting next to me, sliding down in her chair. (laughs) Because he looked mad. He looked mad. He did. Hmm. And he came right up into my face and said, when are Pete and Zoe getting together? (laughs) And he turned around and walked away. And Talk about you know, uh, reader feeling, hmm. but this was not who I thought my target audience. Was. <laughs> <laughs> but my characters had obviously reached out and he felt you know, for them, had a connection with them because he wanted to know when they were getting together.
3: <laughs> that's
0: great. I just looked
2: at Annette and was like, okay, that's your that's it's up to you. Not, yeah, <laughs> not not who I thought my reader, you know, my my ideal yeah. you know my idea of who my reader was that was well no her. you always
0: think that mystery readers they're older women mm-hmm. who like yeah. you know when, and that's I who mean, I was talking to at
2: the time this yeah. woman mm-hmm. was talking to about the books at the time that right. was you know who I figured was my reader but yeah mm-hmm. that was that was one of those very early on memorable
4: <laughs> I love that yeah
2: <laughs> I've been surprised too that
4: that men like my books too not as many, of course, it's mostly women, but I'm just always amazed. It really pleases me because I'm not really writing to men. I'm, I'm thinking in mind of a women demographic, but no. I'm so excited that it also appeals to men. So I must be writing a male character. Well, you know, that's what I think resonates with writing.
2: There are people who are, you know, I, I won't write, read a book by a woman, but yeah, you know, I think the vast majority, as long as you're writing, putting out something good, you know, you'll pick up the readers. And uh, and and then I do have the two characters, one of whom is, is male, so I think I pick up reader male readers who you know connect with with Pete and hopefully now with Matthias. Matthias. Uh, so we're so we're coming up on an hour,
0: and we're going to do our lightning round. Uh, I'm so yep. bad at this. <laughs> no, nope, this is the lightning round. No thought. No thought going into this at all. Um, so the first question, no explanation that necessary. What's the best book you've read
2: recently, title and author? Oh, god. Uh, I have to turn around and look at the title on, the, on my bookshelf back here, <laughs> um, which I can't see. I'm going to say Daughter of the Morning Star, Craig Johnson all it's it's one of those ones that has stuck with me it's not his most recent it's from his from last year previous year all right and the second question
0: this is the fun one this is the one we really like to have people answer what alcoholic beverage pairs best with where the guilty hide
2: well i knew you were going to ask me this one and my and my first gut feeling was because Matthias, of course, you know, is a beer drinker to say beer, beer and whiskey. But I'm I'm going to say because it's set in Erie and there are some fabulous vineyards in Erie, oh, I'm going to say yeah. Erie, Erie Ice Wine.
1: Hmm. Oh I <laughs> what
2: is
0: ice wine? Oh you're going powerful there oh, Ice yeah. wine yeah, I, because I, I'm yeah she you know, I grew up in that area. Erie isn't the only place that does ice wine. Western New York does ice wine too. So ice wine is made when the grapes freeze
3: wow. on the
0: vine, and then they I've take a frozen they amazing. take the frozen grapes What does it take, What does it do to the, the
3: taste?
0: It doesn't do anything. It's, it's a little sweeter. I don't yeah. think it does anything serious to the taste. It does serious things to the alcohol content. <laughs> do they,
2: squish, do they, squish,
1: do they squish the frozen grapes? Yeah. And they compress- and and it they has compress- More alcohol yeah. content than
0: regular because, wine? because the grapes are con the juice of the grapes gets concentrated by the freezing. Oh. It, there's more the- sugar, and therefore there's more alcohol. One of my friends. Up so there if you hearing- look at al- if you look at the ABV AB on a bottle, bottle of rice wine, it'll be higher than a bottle of a of a regular quote unquote regular wine. Yeah so they don't make a lot of definitely my choice (laughs) yeah they can't they they're and they're usually the the batches are not very big because it has to be that first freeze after the first freeze forget it you know it can't be a secondary freeze i
2: don't know about all of it but the the bottle that i was gifted uh wasn't your normal size bottle of wine it was smaller yes most
0: of them are smaller because you get
2: you also get less juice i think out of the frozen grapes Truly annoying because I wanted more. <laughs> I am so happy that I know that.
0: <laughs> yeah, you'll find them if so because, because of if the setting. Because of that's my if you're beverage. looking for them, because you won't find local vineyards down in South Carolina that make ice wine. Well, it doesn't ever look, freeze here. <laughs> no, you you want to look for vineyards that are up near Erie uh-huh. or Western New York.
4: Well, my daughter um, lives in Hampstead, Maryland, on the border of PA. So
2: maybe there's some up there.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I think, doubt it. I, think oh, okay. but I doubt it.
2: there are a lot, lot of vineyards all along Lake Erie. And
0: uh, yeah. Like the So Fredonia. do you drink
2: it cold? Does that have any significance?
4: Do you drink it iced? That's what I thought of. It's iced wine, but it's not.
0: It's I don't just, know. I haven't I don't I don't think I don't know that you have to drink it chilled. You just it's the ice is referred
2: to as.
0: It's I mean, that when grade. you,
2: when you drank it, did you drink it, Chill? Yeah, it's been so long since I had a bottle. I need to get more.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I'm, but, I think, I think you have a place you need to do a reading next summer or two. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I no Yeah. yeah and, and you've
0: got to find, you've got to find an area that, that where the, where vineyards grow too. So, you know, like you can't just pick. Say Chicago, Illinois, because they don't have a lot of vineyards. So you're looking at that swath of Lake Erie. something you know, between,
2: um, buff- between Buffalo and Erie? Our next trip up to Erie for research, I think. You know, we need to. We might to have s- to.
0: I think. I think we're going to have to uh, Bell, get more answers and titty. come back to you. Yes. Yeah. Guys. yeah.
2: <laughs> well, this
0: has been a great conversation. Ice wine. Now, well, ice wine. We've introduced <laughs> Carrie to ice wine.
2: Ice
1: wine.
0: <laughs> um, and everybody, I, I don't know if you've picked up on this uh, during the conversation, but Annette and I are good friends. We are tra- running buddies. As Revis Wortham would say, we travel together. We're critique partners. So I have read Where the Guilty Hide. I have read the entire thing. And I can tell everybody, go out and buy it. It's <laughs> wonderful. You will not re- re- You know, you won't regret it. Thank you. <laughs> so, Well, Annette, it has been great having you thanks so much uh, for having me this was so much fun this has been a great (laughs) conversation so we will talk to you all later
1: Bye. Bye, bye 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 bye
0: thanks for listening to this episode of guns knives and lipstick like what you heard Subscribe to us wherever you're listening and never miss an episode. And before you go, would you do us a favor? Leave us a rating or review, please. Just like with books, ratings and reviews help other listeners find us and spreads the word. Until we meet next month with a new guest, stay safe, stay well. And above all, ladies, don't forget your lipstick.